I just don't like totalitarianism. I don't like this Orwellian, politically correct, crazy world that we're now entering into. It's just, it's madness. And it's not going to end well if someone doesn't do something. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. If you follow me on social media, you've no doubt seen me wearing my Blue Blocks glasses. You can find them at blueblocks.com. And if you use the code lifestylist over there, you're going to save 15% off. So why do I wear these glasses? Well, during the day, even if you're in somewhere that's supposed to be healthy, like let's say a Whole Foods or even the gym, you're probably walking around under the most trash brain and eye destructive light possible led lights fluorescent lights etc so it's really important to protect your eyes and your brain and your melatonin etc not only at night as now many of us are learning but also during the day so that's why i have different color blue blocks i'll have the ones that have lenses that are yellow the ones at night that are more amber or even dark red just depends on the time of day but i love blue blocks because they are scientifically valid and that they're blocking out the right spectrum and they also have really well-made frames that are made in australia not like cheap ass ones made in china they're going to fall apart etc so they're really high quality another thing that's very cool is they're now doing prescriptions so you can get reading glasses or your regular rx glasses by just uploading your script at checkout and they do the rest you can also send them your own frames and they'll make your rad looking glasses blue blocking it's very cool so again, go to blueblocks.com and enter the code LIFESTYLIST to save 15% off. Also, another new product they have that's very cool is something called the Remedy Sleep Mask that you can wear once you take your blue blocking glasses off. Did you know that light hitting your eyes, even when they're closed, is enough to raise blood sugar levels and suppress melatonin? Yeah. So that's why you need a 100% blackout sleep mask. Now, this thing is awesome for travel. There's no eye pressure. It doesn't like smash your eyes like a lot of eye masks do. It gives you complete uh, darkness and that's guaranteed and they also have free worldwide shipping not only for the sleep mask but also for their glasses so i would do yourself a favor hook up some of the glasses and definitely get the uh, remedy sleep mask as well you can find them at blueblocks.com and you can save 15 percent with the code lifestylist that's blueblocks.com this episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. I love this company. And what I love most about them is their instant coffee. Because 64% of us Americans drink coffee daily, but 100% of us should be drinking the Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee because it's more than just coffee. It's got lion's mane, which you may know is really good for your brain. It's my favorite medicinal mushroom. It helps with focus, productivity, and creativity. In fact, Buddhist monks for a very long time have been using lion's mane to uh, help their focus during meditation. It also includes chaga, the king of mushrooms. But what is really cool about it is it's 100% organic. It's got no sugar, no carbs, no calories. It's, it's uh, vegan, paleo, sugar-free, dairy-free, although mine's not dairy-free because I put butter or ghee in it. But the rad thing about it is that it has about half the caffeine of regular coffee, which is you know fine because you can just put two packets of it in your coffee if you want to go all out. 
But the mushroom coffee is way easier on my gut. It doesn't have that like jittery crash thing going on, probably because it doesn't have any mold. <laughs> and it's really high quality coffee. But the very best thing about this is that they are easy to use packets you can take anywhere. So I put them in my suitcase, in my backpack, every time I travel, literally every single time, uh, I've got the Four Sigmatic little uh, you know, travel packets of coffee with me. It dissolves very easily in cold or hot water. So I'll use this on the airplane. I take it on road trips. Anytime I need a little boost of brain power or energy, I use the Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee. It's freaking amazing. I'm not even joking. Uh, I have a special offer for you, of course, as a, a, a coveted audience member. You can get 15% off your Four Sigmatic order. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. Enter the code Luke Story at checkout. That's L U K E S T O R E Y. And the website again is foursigmatic.com slash Luke Story. Spelled out, that's F O U R S I G M A T I C. Foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. Save 15% off. Try this coffee out. You're going to freaking love it, guaranteed. This is episode 260 of the Lifestylist Podcast. My name is Luke Story, and I am your faithful host, folks. We're taking the questions today, of course, from the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group, and I would love to invite you to join that group. If I don't answer your questions... Uh, in the group or on a future episode, it's very likely that one of our brilliant members will do so, and in many cases, much better than I could. So please join the group, join the party. We're having a lot of fun in there, and the amount of knowledge and enthusiasm of the members is astonishing. So I'm so pleased that we started that group and that we're keeping it going. And I can't wait to put some events together this year in 2020 where members of that group and people like you can have the opportunity to come hang out and uh, spend some time together in person. More on that later. First, let's talk about next Tuesday's episode where I get back to the interviews. Uh, for the, This one's called The Supremely Psychedelic Power of the Lucia Light with Allison Policier. And uh, man, that is a mind-blowing episode. If you caught the Joe Dispenza episode this week, uh, which would have been Tuesday, it's now Friday, uh, you'll know that uh, you know the power of the mind and your ability to produce your own DMT and all these things is quite um, real and profoundly transformative. And this thing called the Lucialite entered my life a couple of years ago. I think the first time I did it was at Paleo FX. By the way, I'll be back. Speaking at Paleo Effects and doing a bunch of podcasts, April 24th through 26, 2020, in lovely Austin, Texas. Anyway, that's where I first did the Lucia Light. Immediately came home to LA. I was so impressed with this thing. And trust me, I try a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm, you know, just because I'm in this gig, I have the opportunity to try all the supplements and all the biohacks and all the crazy devices. And some of them are cool, some of them not so much. Some have a lot of bells and whistles, but you don't really like feel anything. Uh, the Lucialite knocked me on my ass. It was like, oh, it was like the closest thing I could equate it to. And I'm being really honest here would be an ayahuasca journey. That's how trippy it is. Uh, and also just elevating and amazing. So I came back to LA and I, I tracked down this thing called the Lucialite, found no one really has them. There's only a few of them in the world. Uh, they're not cheap. The small personal unit is, I believe, 8,500 or so. The uh, group version of it where you can sit up to six people. Well, actually, you would lie under this light. 
you'll hear about it in the episode on Tuesday, but uh, six people can go into that one. It's like, I think 23,000. So it's not the kind of thing everyone just decides to have in their home. But I was so impressed by it and I'm so obsessed with this freaking light that I had to track down their uh, resident U.S. expert, Allison. And then we've since become friends and she's an amazing woman. And um, in that interview, we not only talk about that light, but just, God, all of her shamanic experiences and just the journey she's been on. She's a fantastic uh, lady. And so uh, that one's really fun. And that episode that comes out Tuesday was recorded right after we did uh, a journey with the Lucia light. So it's a very elevated conversation. Uh, my friend Ashley was here at the time uh, and did the light with us. And I actually threw her on the mic. So it's one of those fun sort of spontaneous, like, hey, you're on the podcast. And she did great. So that's going to be a fun episode next Tuesday. To make sure that you don't miss that show or any upcoming show, uh, here's how you hack the system, guys. Um you just subscribe to this podcast. And if you do that, it also does me some good because that means iTunes recognizes more downloads and the more downloads I get, the higher I am ranked. And that means this podcast becomes more visible and gets recommended to more people, etc. So there's a twofold uh, benefit to subscribing to the show. It just makes sure that every week, each and every episode I do is... Um, downloaded to your device or computer, wherever you listen to podcasts without you having to do anything. And also helps me uh, stay very active in the iTunes algorithm. So that's what's up on Tuesday. And then we've got a couple upcoming events. Of course, I mentioned Paleo FX. I'll also be speaking at the Bulletproof Upgrade Labs Biohacking Conference in Beverly Hills, March 27th through 29th. And then again, back in LA at Meet Delic which is a really exciting psychedelic wellness summit, May 2nd and uh, 3rd, 2020. And you can find tickets to all the events and more info at lukestroy.com forward slash events. See how that works? Slash events is where you find the events. We're really clever around here. And I'd also like to invite you to follow me on Instagram. In fact, if you were following me on Instagram right now at the time of you listening to this podcast or watching the YouTube video, because now... I recently discovered I can uh, do webcam videos of these uh, solo shows, which is, to be honest, quite mortifying and just maybe way too intimate for me. But uh, whatever, I clicked record and now it's a thing. Uh, but if you were following me on Instagram, you could be watching the live stream of the crazy antics that go on behind the scenes. So I've been live streaming on Instagram for the last hour, sitting here playing guitar, playing with my dog, acting a fool, just being real silly. And um, some of you might find that entertaining. Some of you might find it deeply annoying. You'll just have to find out by following me on Instagram and especially paying attention to my stories and live feeds because sometimes uh, they get pretty crazy. So my Instagram is at Luke Story, L-U-K-E-S-T-O-R-E-Y. Follow me over there. But if you want to ask questions, again, the place to do that is not by DMing me on Instagram. God bless you. I appreciate those of you that reach out and I'm so grateful to have anyone that wants to have anything to do with me. It's flattering and humbling and awesome. But I just, for the record, don't have time to reply to uh, Instagram DMs. It's just, it's too overwhelming. It would be like a part-time job. So all questions get diverted to the group. That way, if you have a question about this or that, I can answer it in the group or on a show like this. And 5,000 people will get to hear the answer instead of just you. So you know what I'm saying? Don't be selfish. Like ask the Facebook group. Then everyone benefits from the question and the answer. Okay. Here's what's up. 
here's the questions. Let's get right into this. Michael, uh, one of our great members, asks, are there any updates on the aftermath of your Rhythmia experience? And what Michael is referring to is a, a podcast series I did in 2019 based on and recorded at uh, this place called Rhythmia in Costa Rica, where I went and had the first four of my ayahuasca experiences. And I did a series of podcasts. I think there were three episodes. The series is called Welcome to the Jungle, appropriately enough. And uh, what I did in that particular series was take my recording equipment to uh, Costa Rica, to Rhythmia, which is an amazing place, by the way. And we'll get into that a little bit in a second. And I recorded a play-by-play a gonzo style journalism podcast of the entire experience. I had my recorder on the airplane on the way down there. I mean, it's like, it's literally like the whole thing with the exception, of course, of the actual ayahuasca ceremonies, because not only would it be, oh, in bad taste to bring, you know, recording equipment into the ceremony. I'm sure it wouldn't even be allowed, but I also would not be able to work the recording equipment while under the influence of ayahuasca. Uh, But apart from the actual ceremonies, I did a very detailed documentation of that whole experience. And if you go back in the feed, in fact, in the iTunes podcast app now, you could just search Luke Jungle and it'll pop right up. So you can go back and listen if you don't know what Michael's talking about. But in reference to his question... um, Interestingly enough, I was so impressed and transformed by the first four ceremonies at Rhythmia that I decided to go to another place uh, about one year later, which would have been in December of uh, maybe 11 months later, December 2019, which was a month ago or so at the time of this recording. It's early February. Uh, And I went to Soltara and did another four ceremonies, which was entirely different um, in in total, the whole experience was just a completely a departure from the rhythmic experience. Although you're drinking the same medicine, it's brewed by different people, and the ceremonies are different, the facilities are different, the whole programming and all of that. So what's exciting for you, Michael, should you ever hear this? I, I can't figure out whether I want to say people's last names. I guess I'd have to ask permission in the group, like, hey, are you guys cool if I say, you know, Michael Jones or whatever his name is? So he's just anonymous Michael right now. Uh, but Michael and everyone else, on February 18th, I'm dropping a two-part episode, which documents my entire experience in a play-by-play way, uh, like I did at Rhythmia, but this time at Soltara. Then on that Friday, February 21st, and this I think is really going to pique your interest, I'm posting a special bonus show where I do a deep dive comparison between the two Costa Rican ayahuasca centers. Uh, the reason for that bonus episode is because obviously when I you know, posted on social media and was doing live streams and whatnot from Soltara, everyone is DMing me and posting, oh, which place is better? I want to do ayahuasca in Costa Rica. Um, you know, which one should I go to? And I'm like, Dude, I I can't answer that with any integrity because it's like saying what's better, chocolate or vanilla? Like what's better, a lemon or a lime? Like, I don't know, man. Do you like lemons or limes better? I like them both and I like Sultara and uh, Rhythmia uh, equally as much for different reasons. But I did manage to put together an outline, which I will soon record. Actually, I got to record that pretty soon, um, that just details every minute difference between the two experiences so that people that are interested can decide for themselves which uh, place better serves them. So you can look forward to a lot of recording 
you know, uh, coming out about those experiences. Uh, also, um, in addition, I recently participated in, as fate would have it, three different peyote ceremonies and recorded a podcast about those experiences as well, which I will be releasing sometime this spring. I have quite a number of shows pre-recorded now, I think through May at this point. I'm actually on a recording hiatus for the moment so I can work on a book and some other things that I'm uh, you know, working on at LS Inc. here. But, um, you know, the peyote thing is a whole other thing, um, which I'm going to get into and share with everyone. That said, specifically to Michael's question, you know, what is the aftermath of my initial arrhythmia experience? And I'd have to say, um, subjectively, what I'm experiencing would be just kind of less triggered emotionally. And it's hard to quantify that and hard to explain but I have a very clear sense that many of those psychic wounds and trauma and whatnot have been healed. And the indicator of that to me is that when I think about old memories or I encounter a situation in life that could be stressful or triggering, which of course usually has something to do with relationships of some type, that the emotional charge, kind of that static electricity associated with those memories or past experiences uh, seems to have diminished substantially. And additionally, I sense that I'm somewhat less dependent on my day-to-day spiritual practices in order to stay connected with God and to stay grounded. There's more of a through line in my life, a deeper sense of surrender, a deeper sense of felt connectivity with spirit, with consciousness, which is really interesting because based on my limited um you know experience with plant medicines in general you'd think that it would be disorienting and what's the word disorientating did you think that it would make you less grounded because in some cases i mean you are quite literally out of your body and just having these deep experiences that might send you back into a haze of psychedelia or something of that nature However, uh, I think because both places I went to to do ayahuasca and the shaman that I sat with in the three peyote ceremonies uh, put so much emphasis on integration that it's not about having some wild ass visual ride, uh, but really about healing and doing the inner work that I feel the integration has been a huge part of uh, me unpacking those experiences. And that's really helped me to quantify the changes. And so I'm always looking like, hmm, okay, here's a situation. How would I have felt about this? How would I have reacted in the past? Am I reacting differently? And I would say, by and large, uh, I am reacting differently to life and have a different orientation to life and what my purpose is and and um, things like that. And of course, all of the micro lessons that I learned throughout those many journeys, um, I've documented in the podcast and will continue to do so. So I'm not going to do that here, but I would say just kind of in the aftermath, I'm definitely a much better person as a result of participation in those ceremonies. All of that being said, I feel it would be irresponsible to not give the disclaimer and caveat that I unequivocally uh, do not recommend that everyone does plant medicines or uh, the clinical use of psychedelics like MDMA or um, 
I mean, people are doing, you know, mushroom journeys with therapists now, and there's all kinds of exciting things happening, uh, much of which, by the way, will be explored in depth at the Meet Delic event in LA that I mentioned earlier, May 2nd and 3rd. It's all the world's experts um, in plant medicine and also in the therapeutic and clinical use of psychedelics. So this is something a lot of people are getting into, but I don't feel qualified myself to say everyone should go do this, even though every time I'm on plant medicines, I'm like, oh my God, my mom and dad need to do this. My brothers, every girlfriend I've ever dated, like everyone I've ever loved and you know, still continue to love or care about, I think, oh, they need to do this. It's going to heal the world. And because you know that it's healing you in such a profound way. But um, again, I just would not feel responsible. So it's for me, it's a bit of a razor's edge kind of you know, in one way, you could say I'm promoting these journeys and experiences to people because I'm documenting them, but I really have no intention to promote the use of psychedelics or plant medicines, especially being someone who has been sober for 23 years almost uh, as of February 15th. That's, that's my sobriety birthday, dog. And I take that very seriously. That birthday to me is infinitely more important um, in many respects, at least, uh, than my actual vaginal birthday. God bless my mama, but man, I was really reborn when I got sober and was freed from a you know a lifetime, really, at that point of serious addiction issues. So as someone who's been in recovery that whole time and really elevating my consciousness on the natch through many, many years of meditation and float tanks and neurofeedback and spiritual books and teachers and retreats and workshops and, oh my God, just all the work I've put in to heal my soul and, and you know, spirit, um, it would be, again, you know, irresponsible for me to just be a cheerleader for these medicines because they are fucking serious. Let me, let me tell you, man, it is, it's not something you want to play around with. These are, in my experience, not party drugs. Like you, you don't go take ayahuasca to escape your problems. You take ayahuasca, what's likely to happen is you're going to really see your problems and you're going to find the problem is your ass. And sometimes that's, um, not the most fun thing to face. So, uh, you know, I would exercise caution, discernment, and prudence when exploring your curiosity, if you're a newbie, that is, around the medicines. And if, I used to think it was like bullshit that people even called them plant medicines. I was like, you know, you guys are just justifying going off and doing drugs. Like, that's literally how I used to think. And um, I'll tell you what, drugs and plant medicines are a completely different thing. Although, in the experience, I feel like I'm using that word experience a lot. I have to find an alternative. I wish I could like Google synonyms for experience. Um, I'll, I'll work on that. I think I'm thinking, I always think of Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced? And I think he was talking about drugs, you know what I mean? The LSD and whatnot. But uh, the use of plant medicines in a ceremonial context with intention, uh, much different than partying. And that's why it especially for those of you that might be someone in recovery, you might've just heard me say, yeah, I went and did ayahuasca eight times and then I did peyote. You might be going, dog, you're not sober. What are you talking about? And that's, you're right. And some people uh, might be of that opinion and I honor that and that's fine. I'm on my own independent journey and have grown to trust my higher self, my higher power, intuition. And um, I know when I'm called to experience something for a wholesome reason and in my life now, 
Uh, there's nothing that I need to escape from. In fact, I want to go into the shadows in a more profound, deep way every day in order to heal them. Because um, anything that I bring to light tends to be transmuted and transcended. And that's the purpose of my life, literally, is to evolve consciously and to grow in my soul's maturity. And I have found personally that the plant medicines have really helped to facilitate that in a major way. Through my limited uh, use of these medicines and experiences, as I said, I'm very much a newbie. I'm just kind of exploring this for the first time. I've been changed, man. I'm a changed man. And there's just no putting the genie back in the bottle. So I foresee this exploration becoming a semi-regular part of my own healing journey. And it's interesting because when I was at Soltara recently in December, I was really thinking about the book that I'm going to write this year, or at least get into process of writing. Uh, and I'm kind of narrowing down now daily what that really means to me and what the purpose is and how I can best serve people with my experience and knowledge. And one thing that really came to me was... I might be a good bridge for some people, particularly people that have been in recovery or people that have had addiction issues to explore the realm of not only ceremonial plant medicine use, but also the clinical use of psychedelics, which is something I've not yet explored. But I'll tell you what, I'm fixing to. It's about to go down. I have some contacts, some very qualified psychotherapists, etc., that are working miracles with different molecules. Let's just say, maybe I'll call my book The Molecule Miracle. Um, no, it's not just going to be about that. It's about all kinds of things. But um, I was called to experience more of them in a sense, kind of to take one for the team uh, and be willing to walk my talk and experience some of the different medicines um, et cetera, so that I could write about them in a well-rounded way, especially coming from the perspective of addiction recovery, et cetera. So it was through that intention that peyote recently came into my life, actually. Um, I had, I don't know, like, I don't know, I, got, I don't know where the desert is where peyote grows. You know what I mean? I have no idea how to connect the dots. I didn't come home and put out a post like, hey, anyone got any peyote? I want to do it. I was just like, wow, I'd like to try that because it seems um, something that's missing from my lexicon. And uh, I would add San Pedro and the 5-MAO-DMT toad medicine to that. Um, also the intentional use of psilocybin and even MDMA. These are all things I'm curious about. Oh, one thing I have actually also um, used with much success uh, periodically is um, I would consider it microdosing uh, because typically when pe people take this particular, and this would be a drug, I'm talking about ketamine, uh, typically to my understanding, historically people have used ketamine as a for sure party drug to escape reality and go off the rails. In fact, I used to watch, I don't know if it was like one of those rehab shows or um, maybe it was the um, you know the kid from Vice who goes and takes all the drugs some of those drug shows where like people be on ketamine and I'm, I'm going oh my god I thank god I never did that that looks horrific uh, and then through a strange or not strange series of events I was um, connected with really small doses of it and trained how to use it in a more therapeutic way which essentially has to do with going into deep meditative states and using different 
types of guided meditations and things like that to really be introspective because the ketamine is not technically a psychedelic, but it does have a very strong disassociative um, element to its effects. And so it's very useful for doing inner work. And so um, some of these things are the things that I'm curious about. And now that I've set my intention to explore some of that very consciously and as I said, with discernment and, you know, the right intention, uh, they've started to kind of come into my life. I just ran into an old friend of mine. I know from the fashion industry who I'm sure for the sake of legality wants to remain anonymous in this conversation. Uh, but she has now moved into working with the, uh, five MAO DMT toad medicine, uh, and it's essentially kind of become a shaman uh, using that medicine, which is fascinating. And that's just one of those things like, oh, I'd like to try that, you know, and it's an experience that I hear such amazing reports from people like my friend Kyle Kingsbury and Aubrey at Onnit and, you know, all my cosmonaut buddies that are like way deeper into the medicine than I am. Everyone's like, oh my God, even my friend, well, I don't know if he wants to no, he doesn't care. My friend Aaron Alexander, who was on the show recently, he's he's done some of this stuff. And he's like, oh man, I mean, I think he told me his whole book unfolded to him in a 15 minute DMT journey. So it's like, these are not people that are like drug addicts trying to escape their problems or mask their trauma. These are people that are like, again, like myself, wanting to face their trauma and heal it. And some of these medicines and even some of the drugs are very useful for doing that if you have the right intention and the right help. So uh, while this is my journey, I do not at all recommend these things for other people. You have to listen to your own heart. You have to be guided. And, um, you know, I just always want to give that disclaimer because I, I really would feel I was doing people a disservice if I was like this newbie at plant medicines and was becoming a cheerleader for them and diminishing their value, diminishing their sacredness, and also diminishing the history from which they have evolved and the cultures that have carried them through time to people like me now, a white boy sitting in LA that now has the, you know, the glorious opportunity to go sit in ceremony with um, some fantastic healers and shaman and things that we do. On the other hand, if I just kept this to myself, uh, and didn't share about them, then how would those traditions be carried on? And how would other people find the healing that I have been able to find for myself? So it's one of those things I can't keep to myself, but I don't want to go shout from the rooftops either. I guess in doing a podcast about such things, it's pretty much a fucking rooftop, um, which is why I give the disclaimer. So enter at your own risk, do so consciously. But in my own life, I have to say that these experiences, including Rhythmia, getting back to uh, Michael's question there, have been extremely transformative and have done so in record time. I would also like to add that I think my very positive experiences, although they have been challenging, of course, in moments, as anyone who's explored this area would know, um, I think mine have been very successful for me because there was a lot of groundwork done beforehand. In other words, I just, I didn't just randomly, I wasn't five days sober in a complete train wreck coming off heroin, crack and alcohol and all those things that I did when I was 26 years old. I didn't walk into a ceremony the next week and not have done any therapy and all the work that I've done. So I think for me, um, having done some foundational work and cleared a lot of the big wreckage out of the way, um, those those particular experiences have been 
very productive. And I was able to really contextualize what was happening and, and have a lot of intention and work with those medicines in a way that like I really knew what I was doing, even though I was new to it. I knew what my objective was and, and my intentions and my prayers were really clear and really strong every time. And I got what I was looking for. You know, I healed my heart, man. I mean, that's what I could say about Rhythmia, just in summary. Oh my God. I mean, it just like it makes me emotional just to take myself back there now, to be honest. It's just, oh man, there's so much. And I'm not like being melodramatic or feeling sorry for myself as Bob Marley said, and I truly believe this, every man's burden is the heaviest, meaning each of our pain and trauma is subjectively felt, <laughs> which is with, with as much depth to each one of us as it, as it is. Meaning um, when I talk about my experiences in my childhood and things that I've been through, um, they're really, really painful. And my heart's just been broken so many times through... Um, not only the actions of perpetrators, but also at my own hand through my own ignorance and unconsciousness. And so, you know, Rhythmia for me was just like those first four ceremonies were just seeing like, oh man, I've been through a lot of shit. I've just been so hurt in my life um, in so many ways. And that was the first opportunity I've had to really, really see. Now, I've looked at this stuff, man. I've written about it. I've done hypnotherapy. I've done EMDR. I've done 12-step work. I mean, there's no stone unturned in my past or my history um, when it comes to, you know, uh, digging up uh, the pains of the past and how they're affecting me today. But in that experience at Rhythmia, it's just like, oh, man, I really got to feel and see the gravity of many of those situations in my life. And um, in shining a light on them is where the healing took place. And that's, that's the beauty of having the courage and the guidance from the people that hold ceremony and hold space for you. Hopefully it's done in a really conscious way with conscious people that have the right intentions and are doing things in a safe way and a loving way and are really carrying you. But, um, for me, man, I mean, it's just, I would never take back those initial four nights at Rhythmia. So God bless all the people there and the work that they're doing. I have nothing but positive things to say about them. And again, you can look forward to, um, another series of podcasts coming out about my Soltar experience. And again, the comparison between those two places. But man, Michael, for me, it's been awesome. If it's something you're curious about, do your due diligence and make sure that your heart's really in the right place. And if it is, man, I pretty much guarantee you're not going to regret it. On that note, before I move on to the next question, I always think these questions are going to be answered in five minutes. And then I look at my timer here. I'm going, oh, that's 29 minutes. Great. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's a lot to share. You know, I have a lot of passion in, in my heart um, and experience in my mind. At any rate, there will be content coming out about this and there'll be more ex, uh, exploration for me in the coming future. And I will document as much of it as I can while keeping within the confines of whatever tradition I happen to be exploring. I would say I tend to be on the fringe of that somewhat, but it's kind of my job. You know, it's one of the exciting things about my life is I get to go have really crazy experiences and report on them. All right. So next question is Evan wants to know things you can do to improve air quality in your home due to living in LA. Oh man, this is a really important one. And one that I think is 
overlooked quite a bit for us in the, um, you know, in the health scene and people like this, uh, everyone wants to know what the right diet is, you know? And I'm like, how about, how about the right diet for your lungs? It's called pure, clean air. Uh, I often look at this concept of, uh, being paleo, which to me makes a lot of sense. It's just looking back through time going, what happened, uh, with the advent of agriculture as human beings started to settle in one place. Uh, when that happened, when we had the ability to cultivate food, we became sedentary. Then we had to form uh, military forces to keep other tribal humans from taking our food. There came the ownership of land. There came the ownership of animals. There came the ownership of other human beings in the form of slavery. There came taking a wife or many wives to force to work on your little farm. All kinds of weird shit happened when we figured out, oh, we can just till the land and tear everything that's naturally growing here out. Then we don't have to go travel around in, in um, roving tribes and find sustenance. Uh, when that happened, we moved indoors eventually, of course, as we figured out how to build structures. And then uh, some time ago, we came up with electricity. And when we did that, shit really went crazy because the human body is not meant to experience electricity in close proximity. We also put ourselves behind glass. So when I think about this idea of paleo, uh, most people approach paleo as what you eat. So you don't eat post-agricultural foods or processed foods. So essentially you're eating plants and animals. Although I guess you could do like a non-animal, uh, you know, like a vegan paleo thing. You could, I personally would starve. I just can't get full eating plants. That's just me. I've tried it. So those of you that are like, you haven't done it right. No, I did 10 years. I was vegetarian. I'm good. <laughs> I've been there, done that. That's just, you know, my trip. I feel much better eating the way I eat. But anyway, back to the point at hand to the air. Uh, I'm into paleo air. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's impossible to do, of course, because we can't go back in time pre-industrial revolution. I would need a time machine to have true paleo air. But I'm all about like paleo air, paleo lighting in your house, paleo energetics, meaning eliminating the EMF as much as possible, all of those things, um, non-native blue light, all the things that came as we quote, end quotes, became civilized, which to me really means we um, digressed, we regressed, we went, we've devolved because we've domesticated ourselves and put ourselves in human zoos and prisons, essentially, that we call houses, offices, hospitals, schools, libraries, every building, every car that you see is our downfall. And a lot of that has to do with the indoor air, um, additionally, the outdoor air. Now, when it comes to outdoor air, there's not a lot you can do. Uh, we can pray that this administration uh, in the United States, at least, continues to uh, curtail the use of geoengineering, aerosol spraying that happens in the sky. There's a word that people use for it. If you use this word, people think you're a crazy conspiracy theorist because they apparently don't have eyes and they can't look up in the sky and see that what's being sprayed in the sky is not normal plane behavior. That's right, folks. I'm talking about chemtrails. And I give zero shits for anyone that thinks that I'm a conspiracy theorist because I happen to know that geoengineering is a real thing. I mean, you have on tape now the the former head of the CIA talking about that. I mean, it's anyone that refutes the idea that planes are spraying 
metal particulate or various chemicals into the atmosphere for whatever reason, uh, be it malevolent or benevolent, uh, it's happening. And it's been happening since the early 90s, at least. That's when I started seeing it. Um, considering the fact that I grew uh, up in the 70s, I was born in 1970, October 29th. I'm a double Scorpio for those of you that into such things. Uh, I remember being a little kid just laying in the grass and looking up in the sky and you would see planes go over and they would have a little trail behind them that would quickly dissipate. And that's called a contrail. It has to do with condensation in the atmosphere and something about the heat coming out of the engines, blah, blah. It kind of makes steam, right? And those um, sky riding planes, that kind of stuff. Then... In the, I guess for me, it was around the mid nineties in LA. I started looking up in the sky and being like, what the hell is that? There's like these tic-tac-toe patterns and these planes are flying in really weird formation that have nothing to do with Los Angeles International Airport. They are going like from the valley to downtown, from Palos Verdes back up to the valley, like over to Pasadena. I mean, I'm looking up in the sky going, I know my directions. Like there's no airports anywhere that they're going. And you see them crisscrossing, going back and forth over the sky all day long until what was formerly a completely clear, crystal clear blue sky day is now filled with fake clouds and this cloud cover. And so that is something known as geoengineering, folks. It's a real thing. It's going on. If you are not intelligent enough to acknowledge that that's not normal, please stop listening to my podcast right now. Literally delete it from your app because you're dumb. I'm sorry. Like it's just, I have no room for people that are that idiotic when all you have to do is just like Google geoengineering and you see government officials from all over the world admitting that this is what's going on. Even to the point where now you'll see stuff on mainstream, complete fake news that will say, oh, we're, you know, because of global warming and climate change, we're considering this program where we're going to spray metal articulate, aluminum aerosols, et cetera, into the atmosphere in an effort to reduce the heat on the surface of the earth being created by the sun. In other words, like putting sort of a curtain um, or shield between the surface of the earth and the sun. Um, And so I hear things like that. I'm like, okay, so you're admitting it, but you're acting like it's not been going on um, for the past 25 years that I've been watching it almost every day. So back to the outdoor air pollution. Um, If you want to learn more about geoengineering, there's a man called Dane Wigington, and he has a site called geoengineeringwatch.com. I've spoken with him on the phone about being on the show and we were going to do it because he's the, you know, when I interview someone on a topic, I want like the guy or the lady, like I want the top, top person if I can, like the foremost expert on any particular topic. And I would say when it comes to geoengineering, he's the top guy, if not one of them, he's devoted his whole life to exposing these programs. And um, I mean, his knowledge of this stuff is, it gets scary because you know, the information he's privy to is much more than your average person like you or I. And in my phone call to him, I was like, hmm, how can I make this related to health? You know, so it fits within the context of the Lifestylist podcast because it gets into really deep conspiratorial stuff um, that's actually terrifying because the metal particulate in the air, for example, makes the air conductive and it makes it especially conductive to the frequencies generated by 5G technology, which is a whole other thing I'm not even going to get into. Point being, when you're talking about, Evan, improving the air quality, son, this geoengineering is the main concern for me. So when I'm outside, I mean, I don't know, I'm not 
quite tinfoil hat enough to walk around with a mask. Although with this coronavirus thing, who knows? Um, it's probably much hype like all of the other deadly viruses that were supposed to kill us in the past 20 years and didn't. But uh, God bless the people that have perished or that are sick, not to make light of that, of course. But um, when you're outside, it just is what it is. So I did an episode a couple of weeks ago about biohacking your car. Maybe I forget the episode number, but um, I have a great air purifier in my car. Uh, it's kind of a it's a battle between like getting natural light in the car and having those sunroof cracks so that I get some real unfiltered non-blue light in the car, um, but also clean the air. But when they're spraying the chemtrails, son, let me tell you, it's, um, it's gnarly. And especially if you're in a major city, because then you have the, the, the pollution that's just here from all of the fireplaces and stoves and restaurants and everything that's burning something or just putting off gas. I mean, even all the, the gas heating in all of the homes that's putting off exhaust. I mean, it's just, it's insane. And all of the, the um, you know, the brake pad dust from the cars and the emissions from the cars. And it's just gnarly. You add to that a layer of God knows what is in these chemtrails and you're, you're pretty much screwed. Um, so it's just like, well, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do to control that. I have to say though, this is going to trigger a bunch of people probably, especially those listeners of the show that are, you know, watching fake news and are really, really in a um, Stockholm syndrome about the 2016, um, election. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get into politics and, and all of that, but as they pertain to our health and the environment, sometimes, um, sometimes it's worth mentioning. There's, well, there's like two interesting things. Uh, Mr. T, as I call him, because if you say the full word, some people melt down and have a full psych, psychotic break, uh, as observed on, on the news on that election night. Uh, sad and funny as it was for me. But one thing that I did notice is the minute Mr. T took office, the chemtrails went away in LA for like six months. And I'm, I'm like Ray Liotta in um, Goodfellas, or was it Casino? Maybe it's Goodfellas. And the black helicopters are chasing him around. He's high on coke and like he's all freaked out and paranoid. That's me with chemtrails. Like when I go outside every day, I just can't help it. I look up, I'm like, are they spraying today? Are they spraying? And there's nothing I can do about it. I'm powerless. I just have to accept it. But it's still really weird to know that we're being sprayed like bugs. I just, I'm just not into it. When Homeboy got elected... They stopped for like six months. And then I was like, I wonder if there's any correlation there. And for me, um, you know, one of my big critiques of this administration would be not great on the environment. I think there's some policies that are good personally. I'm leaving personalities aside. I'm just talking about straight policy. There has been some good and I will acknowledge that. But the environmental issues, um, I think because they pertain to uh, the economy and business and uh, production in the United States, et cetera, that a lot of the environmental concerns have been overlooked for the economy, right? And so I'm not a fan of that. But I thought perhaps since uh, Mr. T is so fiscally motivated that maybe he killed the chemtrail program because that's got to be expensive. I don't know who's funding that shit. If it's like a, you know, a UN thing or an EU thing or a NATO thing, because I noticed too traveling years ago, I don't know if this is still true, but if I visited any non-NATO countries, they wouldn't spray. It's really interesting. I don't know if um, Costa Rica is NATO, but they 
don't seem to spray chemtrails there, which is weird. So maybe I should just move to Costa Rica and do ayahuasca all the time in a chemtrail-free sky. But I thought perhaps that he cut the budget on the chemtrails and they would stop. Um, But then they started again and they've come and gone many times uh, since then. So I don't know if that was the case, but they have definitely diminished, at least in Los Angeles, from where they used to be. The former administration for eight years, it was just fucking nonstop. I mean, it was out of control. No one was admitting it. And we were all down here breathing God knows what. So... I don't, you know, I just feel it's important to talk about these issues. And again, I will do a show on chemtrails. I don't care. I can get banned from the whole internet. You just go ahead, do whatever you got to do. Like I'm, I'm going to speak my truth. Like I did about vaccines when I did the episode, don't have the number in front of me, but I interviewed Del Bigtree and it wasn't an anti-vax show. It was a vax awareness show and a pro safety testing show. Let's just clarify that. But you can now be banned, which goes into one of the next questions. So I'm just going to put it out there. Um, The geoengineering is happening. And to me, that's the main concern with our air because in Paleolithic times, folks, uh, no planes were spraying metal uh, particulate in the air. And if you look at the correlation between the rise in Alzheimer's, dementia, and things that are directly related to the ingestion of aluminum, it's pretty obvious if you look at the timeline. So I'll just leave it at that. So what can you do about it is what Evan wants to know now that I've laid out the problem. Well, outdoor air, not much you can really do unless you want to wear a mask, okay? So if you're outside, you're going to get hammered. And if you're in a city, you're going to get really hammered, which is why I advise everyone in the world to move out of the goddamn city you live in pronto. And I'm working on doing that myself. I know I always talk about it on the show. Uh, After 30 years of being you know, tethered to this city and all of its glory, uh, it is difficult to get out. I'll just say that. But Something will give at some point and I'll make my way and you'll hear all about it because the studio will be somewhere else and I'll be in the woods living my dream life. Until then, I'm here and I got to clean the air inside my house. So the number one thing I recommend is getting hella plants inside your home. Uh, there's a lot of plants that are known. There's been studies done by NASA that, um, you know, would they'd send, uh, well, I don't even know if space travel is necessarily real, but anyway, they claim it is. <clears throat> I'm talking about the moon landings and stuff. You know, you conspiracy theorists know what I'm saying. You know, if you're going to go there with the chemtrails, then we got to look at the moon landings, man. Like there's a lot of shenanigans going on with some of that stuff. So who knows? But NASA has definitely studied plants and used plants and also used a lot of PEMF and all kinds of cool things to also in the Russian space program as well to uh, make our our space travelers uh, safer, including the air. And so uh, some of the plants that you can look into are bamboo palm, uh, Chinese evergreen, uh, dragon tree, peace lily, spider plants, corn plants. Um, If you just Google like best air cleaning plants, you'll find a list like that one and many more. I have a lot of plants in my house. Um, I'm now 49. I'm just at the point in my life where I tend to not kill that many plants. Like I have quite a few that are around for a while. I think what kills them, honestly, is the chlorinated water. Uh, If you put unfiltered water on your plants, this is just a guess, I could be wrong, that you're killing the microbiome in the soil that creates the nutrients that feed the plant. And so even if I really am diligent about taking care of my plants, some of them just eventually just croak anyway. And I'm like, I know they're getting enough light. I'm watering them correctly and they're just toast. But figure it out, get a green thumb, fill your damn house with plants. The next one would be air filtration. Uh, If you own a home, you can get 
a massive HEPA type filter uh, put on your, you know, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that? Temperature control system, your AC heating unit, all that. I don't know the brands and stuff. Ben Greenfield is a guy I would like look at when it comes to the, um, the home air filtration. I think he's got a good system on his home uh, from what he was telling me. I forget the name of it, but me personally, I've been aware of indoor health uh, or indoor air quality toxicity for a long, long time. My dad, who's like the OG biohacker, shout out to Alan Story. What's up, Alan? I don't think he listens to my show anymore because I swear too much. Um, and trust me, my dad's like, you know, he's no prude, but, uh, you know, he's he's gotten classier in his age uh, and wisdom. So sometimes he's like, yeah, your show's great, but you have to use so many swear words. I'm like, fucking hey, dad. I mean, I got to express myself. You know what I'm saying? So my dad turned me on to the Austin Air HealthMate filters ages ago uh, because he became aware of off-gassing um, coming from everything in your house, all of the paint, all the plastics that your computers and speakers and TVs and lamps and power cords and, uh, you know, those little power strips and anything in your house that's made out of essentially crude oil, originally plastic is going to off gas and the dyes and the formaldehyde and the furniture and the glue that keeps your furniture together when it's not, you know, made right, uh, with nails and, uh, such, um, carpeting, the padding under your carpeting. I mean, it's just madness, not to mention all of the cleaning products that many people still use that are totally toxic. So there are a lot of studies you can find online that will indicate just how toxic indoor air is. So I've been using the Austin Air Health Mates for a long, long time. I have two of them in my house now. I mean, that's why I'm sniffly. I probably need one in the office here. Um, those are good, but they only take out uh, particulate. In other words, they don't do anything for mold, uh, you know, fungus. Um, what are the other things? Bacteria, all of those tiny, tiny little critters that you don't want in your air either. And uh, what I will do for that in the near future, based on my research, is I'm going to get a molecule air filter because it uses a different technology that cleans the air much more thoroughly and also gets the funk out of the air, whereas your hepatite type filters like the Austin Air HealthMate uh, don't do. And so the molecule, based on all of my research, and I've looked into this a lot, uh, tends to be the best. And that's why I sell that particular one. Well, I don't sell it. I just link to it as an affiliate at lukestory.com forward slash store. And you should know as a listener to this podcast that just about everything I mention on a regular basis, like the things that I use and I personally believe in, like the the blue blocks, blue blocking glasses I'm wearing right now for those of you watching the YouTube video, you see them. I don't just shield this shit. I actually use it. Uh, but you can find all these things at lukestory.com forward slash store. I don't even think I have the Austin Air on there because I think the molecule is better. They're just expensive and I haven't been uh, willing to throw out the, I think, seven or 800 bucks for one of these puppies. But they're beautiful looking. They actually don't look heinous and um, are meant to be quite effective. Some other brands that I've looked into that are competitors and might be you know, of interest to you would be the Air Oasis, uh, airoasis.com. There's another one called uh, iqair.com, iqair.com, 
And then um, the the one that I have downstairs in my living room is a heater. It's one of those old Dyson heaters. And it claims to clean the air. And it has a thing on your phone. You open the app and it tells you your air quality. And because I live in an old house and um, I live in Los Angeles, every time I turn mine on, it's like yellow, poor. <laughs> so I don't know how much that does. Um, but one thing I do not like about the Dyson is that it, produces and receives, it transmits and receives Wi-Fi. And I haven't figured out how to turn that off. It's nice because I can just walk downstairs and use the app to turn it on and off, but I'm certainly paying the price in more RF uh, radio frequencies rolling around the house, which sucks. And all of the Sonos speakers and all these kind of things. But because I'm leasing, I haven't gotten that hardcore. As soon as I buy a place, will be in the, which will be in the very near future, I'm going to hardwire the whole goddamn house and try to avoid Wi-Fi completely if possible. So the air in your home needs to be clean if you want to be fully healthy. And I would recommend definitely uh, if you have kids, I always say, you know, put on your own oxygen mask first. Anyone that's trained to be an EMT knows you, you know, you always save yourself. Not that I did, but I have friends that have, you always save yourself, then save others. But man, when it comes to EMF and air quality and things like that, I, you know, if if I had a kid, I would definitely be taking care of their room and getting that dialed in just because when they're tiny little tots, they're so much more susceptible to environmental uh, stressors, et cetera. But I definitely recommend getting plants in your house, get a shit ton of them. That's a clinical term for a lot. And uh, definitely get some air filtration going on. If you own the home, again, you could do a whole house filter to get the big dust coming in, get all the chemtrails out and all that stuff. And then do something like the molecule in the various rooms that you have. They have a little mini molecule now for smaller rooms, which is good. Maybe I should get one of those here on my desk in the uh, studio. I think that'd be a good idea. Be a good uh, entry point because they're considerably cheaper. But I would definitely recommend taking care of the air in the house. And again, if you live in a city, get out and I'll be right behind you. Next question comes from Karen. And I alluded to this one before when I was talking about being censored for bringing light to such issues as vaccinations and geoengineering and the like. Karen says, uh, serious question, Luke. When, not if, Facebook joins in on the great health purge and shuts this page down. Of course, she's referring to the wonderful Lifestylist podcast Facebook group. What is an alternative place we can all gather for our discussions? Man, Karen, that's very insightful. And that is a great question and one that I've pondered. And to be honest, um, as I always say, I'm not a huge user of Facebook or even fan in general, uh, particularly due to their... Orwellian level of censorship that it's just, it's just mind boggling. Like I want to just boycott them, but I'm, I'm then am I going to delete Instagram? Like I'm totally addicted to Instagram. Their flicker rate and their dopamine, <laughs> uh, you know, addictive uh, algorithms and everything that's built into that tech. Like I literally am addicted to it. So I don't know, what am I going to do? I got to go to Instagram rehab or something. So it's one of those things like I'm just dancing with the devil and I'm playing the game of the big tech stuff. But there are, of course, alternatives coming out. You know, you have people like Jordan Peterson who are mislabeled as like white supremacist and shit, which is just so ridiculous. 
Um, but you know, some of these things are coming to light. So people are going, all right, screw Patreon. You're going to take down my page because you don't agree with me politically or because I'm going to talk about health issues or anything else. They're just making their own platform. So I'm very hopeful that, uh, free thinkers and patriots and people that are into personal freedom and sovereignty are going to take it upon themselves and come up with alternative platforms where people can speak freely and support one another and gather, you know, um, and this is a huge issue. And that's another thing I would say, in addition to some of the loosening of environmental regulations for the sake of the economy that this administration has really screwed the pooch on is like the censorship thing, man. No one's doing anything about it and it's just getting worse and worse. And, um, as hopeful as I am on one end that as a result of so many people being purged from social media because of their views that aren't in alignment with the backers and owners of big tech, such as big pharma, et cetera, or certain political parties and and whatnot, um, that I'm hopeful that people are going to build new platforms. And I myself um, made the Facebook group in a way to really centralize people so that they're there on some platform, the listeners of the show and the community that I like to build and the people I like to hang out with, whether virtually or in person, so that then when that happens, we can find a way to move those discussions to another platform kind of as a group or I build my own portal on my site where that happens or, you know, the retreats that I'm planning and things like that. So I'm hopeful about that, but it's also just terrifying and completely shocking that the censorship at Facebook, Twitter, Apple, YouTube, Google, even Instagram, um, just the fact they're shutting down free speech and, you know, first what they do is like how this goes. If you look throughout history, I mean, you go back to Nazi Germany or any of these really totalitarian regimes that started burning books and jailing the intellectuals and free thinkers and critics of the establishment, et cetera. They always start with the most radical characters and then work their way down. And what they've done this time is uh, they started with Alex Jones. And for whatever you think of Alex Jones, I was into Alex Jones way back from 9-11. Okay. So like, I don't, you know, you might stop listening to the show because I say that, but you know, I was going to leave it at that. Um, so I'm probably going to get banned from the internet from just saying like, I don't hate Alex Jones. Okay. He's got some out there stuff and you know, his personality is, is what it is. But you got to admit, if you've been following culture for a while, homeboy called a lot of shit. Epstein, I could go on and on all the things that that dude uncovered that the establishment, the powers that be did not want to be uncovered. Let's put it that way. And so I knew, man, as soon as they took him down, because they could, what they do is they lie about someone. So they say, oh, Alex Jones said this about Sandy Hook and this and that. And they take things out of context. They actually edit audio, make it say things that weren't said. And then they demonize someone, but they shut them down on all the platforms so they can't defend themselves because they have no voice anymore because they've been deplatformed. So when that happened, I was like, okay, here we go. And no one really stuck up for the guy. And so you have this domino effect. So you have an Alex Jones and even people that are, you know, somewhat right-leaning or uh, libertarian 
would say, yeah, whatever, just Alex Jones. He's crazy. He's that guy that screams and has the red face and is a conspiracy theorist. Like, whatever, take him down. And not realizing, well, next they're coming for Peterson. They're coming for Joe Rogan. They're coming for your ass if you have a platform and you don't toe the line, the corporate line, the big pharma line, the political line. And so it's terrifying to me as someone who makes my living, my livelihood, And also my passion and my life's purpose from sharing information that is perhaps not widely reported by mainstream media outlets. And we're in a really beautiful, expansive time in history because a guy like me with a freaking internet connection and a microphone can have my own radio station and essentially do whatever the fuck I want up until the point when they deplatformed Alex Jones. Now... Just by me talking about him and posting this to Facebook, the algorithm could pick up that I just said the AJ word. And because I'm not going, I hate him, I can be deplatformed. That's that's the reality of Facebook right now. If you do a post that's positive about that particular person, um, you will get banned. Well, you have a risk of getting banned and having your Facebook account removed because you didn't spread hate about someone uh, like that. And so again, just zooming out, I don't give a shit. Like if anyone likes Alex Jones or not, I don't care if the guy is a hate monger or whatever. I don't even know what they say about him. because I don't watch fake news, but, um, even if that was true, that person like me and you listening have a right to say what we want to say. And so if you believe in free speech, then you have to allow hate speech. You have to allow bullshit. You have to allow conspiracy. You have to allow it all. There's no picking and choosing with what you think is free speech. Now, threatening someone, you know, with violence or something like that. I mean, then you're you're breaking the law. There's laws against that sort of thing. But saying, you know, I believe there's chemtrails or I think that we should do more testing on vaccines. They're making people sick. They're not safe. Um, the F, the, um, the CDC is corrupt. They lied about this. They lied about that. I mean, if we're not allowed to share information like that, we are screwed folks. I mean, I'm sorry, but this is the, this is the downfall of so many civilizations as, you know, book burning starts with the, the town kook. And next thing you know, they're burning all the books. And, um, I'm using that kind of as a, you know, symbolism there of the book burning, but, the equivalent of that would be kicking me off Twitter because I say something that the establishment doesn't like. Uh, I'm not towing the company line per se, or I have someone on my podcast that's controversial. And so I don't know what we can do about this, except um, just keep sharing the fact that it's happening and expressing our discontent for it. And hopefully people that are involved in legislation and lawmaking become aware of these things and do something to stick up for the little guys that get banned because um, they're coming for you next. They might start with someone who's leans more right or conservative and everyone on the other side of the aisle is like, oh yeah, screw them. We don't want to hear them anyway. Well, guess what? They're coming for you next. Sorry. Um, And that's just how it always goes if you look at it historically. Now, I am definitely um, no expert on world history, politics, um, things of that nature. But I do have a fundamental understanding of what's happened historically when people's voices are shut down. And I also clearly understand that we have something called the Constitution here. And that's what is one of the main things that has uh, propelled not only um, the United States for being the great country that it is, but um, also so many free societies in the Western world. And 
Um, I really believe in that. I believe in uh, the freedom of sharing ideas and opinions, whether I like them or not. There's a lot of people online that I think are full of shit and I can't stand them. I think they're toxic. I think they're horrible. I think they're liars. I don't like their message. I don't like what they believe in, but I absolutely defend their right to speak their mind. And so... I don't know. That's just a huge rant because it's a really triggering issue for me because I just, I just don't like totalitarianism. I don't like this Orwellian, politically correct, crazy world that we're now entering into. It's just, it's madness, and it, it's not going to end well if someone doesn't do something. So, I'm doing my little part here to just spread awareness about it, and. Um, you know, I could regret even touching on some of these topics later, but it is what it is. You know, it's like, I'll be able to sleep tonight going, you know what? I didn't fold in fear of repercussions or people to stop listening to my show or report me to one of the social media police because I mentioned a certain person's name or something. I mean, it's just like, I can't, I can't do that. I'll find another way to get my message out if I get shut down. And, um, that said, I also do avoid some topics and some guests because they're just too inflammatory and I just I can't risk having my whole thing shut down. So, I mean, you just look at what happened to um, uh, Joe Rogan, man. I think he just like said he likes Bernie Sanders and this whole thing happened. It's like, what is going on here? It's just, it's just crazy. I, it's craziness. It's, it's just nuts. So keep valuing your free speech. And for those of you that, are in the tech world, man, there is such a hungry populace that wants um, platforms that we can all use. Because sometimes what happens is like someone will, will make a platform, but then no one uses it or it gets taken over by trolls that go to, you know, let's say like, let's just say people on the left were being centered, censored, which is not the case, but let's just say they were. So then they would go start their own thing, but then all the people in opposition, maybe on the far right, would then come and infiltrate their platform and ruin it with like bots and just a bunch of trolling, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the successful uh, way to do it is because it, it takes money, you know, to build platforms and to promote them and keep them going. And someone has to run them and someone has to kind of monitor them. And there's, it's a complex issue. But for the time being, I'm just very grateful that. I've been able to not be too controversial and have my little world and health and spirituality and not really cover too many of the issues that are, that are bound to get me censored um, or taken off the platforms. Like if my show was deleted from iTunes, like Alex Jones podcast was, I mean, God, that would just suck. So I don't know what I can do to prevent that, but I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and, you know, try to keep my head down and not be too crazy with the stuff that I talk about or the guests that I have on. But man, if we don't protect the people that we don't agree with pretty soon, uh, there'll be no protection for us. So that's my, my rant on that. And I will say as strange as things are in closing, uh, that I truly believe that love is more powerful than, than hate and that truth is more powerful than falsehood and that good is more powerful than evil. And that, um, people like you listening to this truth seekers, people like me that are out to better the world in our own unique way, um, will prevail. And that by and large over time, the consciousness of humanity, uh, tends to elevate and it gets higher and higher and higher through its different dips and it, it weaves and wanes. And, um, eventually we come out 
I think, more conscious and more awake than we were before. And so I can only hold hope that that will continue to be the case. But that is um, in part dependent on those of us that value our personal freedom and our basic fundamental human rights to at least stand up for ourselves. And in some cases, if you're so qualified and situated to stand up for others that have been subjugated by the powers that be and silenced and shut down. So I'm just going to say like, you know, free Alex Jones, because he's you pretty soon, whether you like it or not, if you're a content creator. So all you cowards out there that like didn't stand up for the guy, I have no respect for you. Okay. Because a lot of people I know follow that dude's stuff, but then went silent when he got deplatformed. And if you think about how scary this, I'm just going to say this, okay. When you observed that happen, see all big tech uh, in a concerted effort within like a 24-hour period all banned that dude. I'm talking about YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, Google. Well, I guess Google, they didn't like you know, deep, they didn't like remove his site from the internet because the internet is not Google. It's part of the internet, but like all those platforms all at once in a concerted effort just went poof, you're gone, you know? And then in some cases, in that particular gentleman's case and some others that I've caught wind of, uh, their PayPal got shut down. Then their banking, um, the online uh, payment gateways that they used to monetize their website got shut down uh, because of a concerted effort from big corporations and also from um, citizens that evil that in an evil way rally against someone and like troll them and report them to the point where those companies then are feeling the social pressure to deplatform or demonetize someone. But you think it's scary to get kicked off Twitter? What if you have a website and Chase comes to you and says, um, we don't like your speech and we're taking away your ability to get paid on the internet. You can't take credit cards anymore, your credit card processors and things like that. That's what happened to that dude. I mean, that's narnar where you're not allowed to bank because someone doesn't like the words that you use or your opinion or that you look into social events and question their, the official narrative about them. I mean, can you imagine if someone says, Hey, like me, um, someone that thinks, uh, the, the official story of something like nine 11 is missing facts and is covering up facts and is um, not only that, but stating untruths. I don't know what the, I don't know what happened, but whatever we were told happened is not what happened. I mean, a five-year-old could sit and make a case for that. It's just so obvious at this point, especially all these years later. So say I, um, I go, Hey guys, let's really look into what happened. Like what happened with building seven? that just collapsed on itself in a controlled demolition fashion with no planes hitting it. Like what's up with that? Then Chase can go, that's hate speech or your conspiracy theorist. We're taking away your ability to get paid. Like, dude, I don't know. It's, that's terrifying to me. So there you go. Totally random lifestyleist podcast. Uh, yeah. Again, when I talk about this shit, then I, I, I click stop on recording and I go, Luke, oh my God, what did you, what have you done? <laughs> and then I realize I'm not that important. It doesn't really matter. This is just another silly podcast episode that's just going to disappear into the ethers and, you know, it'll just, you'll never hear about it again, <laughs> hopefully.
unless you use hate speech, <laughs> they'll come back and get you. Uh, but I don't hate anyone except the people doing the censoring at the top of the Illuminati pyramid. You guys can suck it. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. Let's have a little chat on healthy snacks. There are certain types of fats that your body just can't make on its own, so you've got to get them from your diet. These are called essential fatty acids. The best place to get them? Almonds and macadamia nuts. That's why the team at Superfat have created a delicious line of on-the-go nut butter snacks based on these two healthy nuts. They've only got three to five carbs per net serving, which means they're certified keto. They're also vegan and paleo. But what I like best about them, other than the fact that they're freaking delicious, honestly, uh, is that they come in these convenient on-the-go pouches that are super easy to travel with. So when I'm driving around or flying, I'm tempted often to get snacks that aren't part of my meal plan. You know what I'm saying? You pass that Cinnabon place in the airport. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I usually don't go off the rails that bad, but even just I'll stop and get a smoothie and then I realize, cool, I just had like 45 grams of sugar or something and it just makes me crash. I get more hungry and then like I kind of, you know, go off the rails. But super fat contains plant fats, protein, and really high amounts of fiber, which is a dynamic trifecta to keep you feeling full longer. So I travel with these little packets of fat They've got some that are like mint and cacao. They've got a great macadamia one with probiotics. They've got one that's got coffee in it for an afternoon pick-me-up. And I find I just chug one of these down and it's like I ate a meal. Now, every once in a while, I have two of them in a row. Um, that's not really because I'm still hungry, but they're just delicious, honestly. So these things taste good. They're really good for you. They make it very easy to stay uh, ketogenic during the day, which I do my best to do. This definitely makes it a lot easier. So if you want to check it out, Go to superfat.com, enter the code Luke at checkout and save 15% off. That's superfat.com. The code is Luke for 15% off. And now back to the interview. Okay, Carlos asks, uh, it was suggested to me by my doctor to look into <laughs> completely, completely different direction here, uh, lighten things up. It was suggested to me by my doctor to look into riboflavin for my tension headaches. And then he used a little headache emoji. Oh, Carlos, sorry, dude. Uh, with so many brands out there, what brand do you recommend and trust? Hashtag thank you all. Now, I'm sure some of our other users gave Homie some great advice on not only riboflavin, but headaches in general. Uh, what I would like to say about riboflavin to start with is I have no clue what that shit even is. I've seen the word and uh, I'm completely unqualified to speak on it. However, a guy that I know named Chris Masterjohn talks a lot about it on his podcast. So definitely check that out. That's Chris Masterjohn. He's a PhD, does a lot of content about supplementation and health, et cetera. Great guy, lives in New York. He's going to be on the show eventually. We just, I don't like to record remotely unless I'm forced to at gunpoint. And so until we're both in the same city, he's not on this show, but he has a great podcast where he does deep dives into very nuanced topics. Like he'll do a whole show on riboflavin. So go listen to that. And, um, in terms of supplement brands, I would like to throw a bit of my, um, experience out on this one. And that is, I pretty much go to the brand Quicksilver Scientific. If you've been to the master market, lukestory.com forward slash store, you've seen tons of their products. Um, I've interviewed their formulator and founder, Dr. Chris Shade on the show, another PhD, a brilliant guy. And they have 
not only just a lot of integrity in terms of the quality of their products, but their delivery system, which is a nano emulsified or liposomal delivery system is just unparalleled. In other words, when you take supplements by Quicksilver, uh, they go directly into your bloodstream via the capillaries in your mouth. It's called a sublingual, right? So you squirt these little nutrients under your tongue and it's about as close as you can get to getting an IV. Whereas other supplement brands that make pills that you swallow are subject to the um, the uh, ability of your digestive system to process those um, nutrients. And so there's a lot of pee and uh, excrement that is full of vitamins when you take the pills. I'm kind of losing my ability to talk at this point. It's like midnight here. Um, but anyway, I like Quicksilver Scientific because of the absorption. That's what I'm getting at right now. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think Quicksilver makes a riboflavin if that is in fact the cure for Carlos's ales there. But uh, my second uh, choice would be a company called Thorne, T-H-O-R-N-E. And they make what I would say is like a clinical or pharmaceutical grade supplement line. And in most cases, if I can't find something on Quicksilver, because they don't make every supplement, they, they do what they do and they do it well. But if I had to go buy something like riboflavin, I would uh, pick the Thorn one. And I did a little research actually for Carlos here and I poked around and I thought Thorn would probably be the one that I would pick. And based on um, the studying that I did on their particular product, that would be the one I would use. Now, whether or not it's going to fix your headache, I don't know. So the... Um, the recommendation there for those brands, I, I say for a reason, because with supplement companies, they're not regulated, right? And so as a result, many of them sell just useless pills and powders that not only don't work, but also in many, if not most cases, also contain excipients, fillers, binders, and other crap that you just don't want in your body. So one of the first things I do as a general practice when I am looking for a particular supplement, like let's say I decided I wanted to take riboflavin, first thing I'll do usually is go on Amazon and search there. I'll look for the highest rated and the most expensive version of riboflavin. And then I'll uh, click on the pictures and immediately zoom into the ingredient deck. And I'll look for all of those excipients, fillers, binders, etc., um, and see if those are there. And if those are present, that tells me that that brand kind of sucks because they're trying to cut corners and save money during the manufacturing process. Because especially when it comes to encapsulating nutrients into a pill, um, it's much more expensive and slow to just put the goodies in there without using the fillers and binders, et cetera. Essentially, there's things that they use when they encapsulate things that kind of lubricate the caps and make them faster and easier to be filled by the machinery that does so. And so companies to me that have integrity will not only not have those added crappy things in them, they usually tell you like, hey, we're awesome because we don't use any of that stuff. So that's what I'm looking for. And um, I think most of the supplements that I link to on my site are going to fit in the former category, meaning that they're clean, they're useful and potent. Um, 
if you find something on my site that has like an excipient, like they'll use magnesium stearate or vegetable stearate and these different things, um, I guarantee you the only reason that's on my site is just because there's no product available that doesn't have it in there. And I want that product. But in most cases, that's kind of how I vet these companies. So back to the headaches, Carlos. Speaking of headaches, I'm getting one from sitting here and being seated for so long and talking so much. Uh, it's so much different when you interview someone, you know, because you get to take a breath and kind of chill while they're talking when you uh, ask the question. Uh, but for headaches, here's what I would do, my friend. I would first go to the root cause. And in my opinion, the root cause to many headaches is constipation. And this is not a sexy topic. We don't like to talk about our poops, our doo-doo, but I do. I love it. I love talking about the poop. Uh, when you're not regular, you got to think about this. All of the toxins that you're taking into your diet that are dumped into your colon and then come out in that soil that you create, uh, all of the toxins that your body's trying to get rid of in that fecal matter get reabsorbed back into your bloodstream in your colon. You know, you got to understand your colon is just like the inside of your mouth or the inside of your vagina. If you have one of those, it's mucous membrane with very um, accessible capillaries. And so like when you take the liposomal uh, Quicksilver Scientific Supplements under your tongue, that's the reason it soaks in so readily is the capillaries are so close to the surface of the skin. It's very thin skin. It just absorbs right into your bloodstream. So think about if you have an impacted colon, I know this is gross guys, but it's just the fact, hopefully I gross you out enough to go get a colonic and like get your digestion and your gut fixed. But if, if you're, uh, you know, if you got a full house down there, you're in bad shape, son, because what's happening is all of those toxins that you're taking in. And even if you eat organic and everything, I mean, it's just, it's just in our food supply, it's in our environment. You just can't help eating poison. There's just poison everywhere, right? Not to be paranoid, it's just a fact. So uh, all that poison is then going back into your bloodstream, just like you did a liposomal poison squirt of supplement in your mouth. So to me, the colon health and getting your digestion right is number one when it comes to headaches. Because I know um, in my past experience and earlier in life, I had a lot of digestive issues and still do. It's probably one of the things I'm working on um, the most, although constipation is not really an issue as it used to be, primarily when I was a vegetarian because I ate so many grains and things like that because I didn't want to eat meat. Um, the weird thing about, well, anyway, <laughs> like people on the carnivore diet have better digestion than most plant-based people I know. This is weird. I'm, and I'm not like necessarily a proponent of the carnivore diet. I tried it and it was just too inconvenient. I'm not opposed to the idea of it because um, I don't, particularly enjoy eating most plants, but, um, yeah, uh, the digestion, but I had a lot of problems before with constipation back in the day, especially when I came off of opiates when I was 26, after a good six year, uh, daily consistent use, my digestive system just kind of shut down and I had headaches all the time. And then as I started to get into colonics, which were the thing kind of in the late nineties, people were really into alleviating constipation and getting your digestion working. And everyone was taking, you know, like, um, supplemental laxatives, 
herbs and whatnot that would keep you regular. And I had to do that for years before I started just kind of eating right and started eating meat again and, you know, ghee and bone broth and getting really highly nutritious animal products and all that back into my diet and healing the gut and eliminating for the most part grains and gluten and whatnot. So I don't really have the constipation thing, but man, if I ever have a headache, that's the first thing I check for. I'm like, did I go to the bathroom today? Nope. God damn it. There's, there's the headache. So that's number one is uh, get the pipes cleaned out, do some colonics. And what I would do personally, if I was getting a lot of headaches is I would do a series of at least three, if not more gravity fed colonics in one week, and then really work on healing the gut and avoiding inflammatory foods, which are typically grains, processed foods. Uh, Some people are very sensitive to nightshades, um, things like tomatoes, et cetera, eggplant, that kind of stuff. Um, I think like, I I never, I kind of forget to recommend this, but years ago, Dave Asprey made this infographic called the Bulletproof Diet. And then he did a book called the Bulletproof Diet, but there's an infographic you can download online. And I got to say, man, that's like the most accurate functional way of eating. I'm not a big diet guy. I don't think there's like a right diet for any one person. There's different diets that work for different people at different times. I, me, I feel best, honestly, like if I just... I just eat fish and meat. (laughs) I feel good. I start eating other stuff. I feel weird. And so does my digestion. Um, The Bulletproof Diet will warn you of foods that are going to wreck your digestion, such as nightshades and things like that. And what I like about that particular approach to eating is it's not like a duality of right, wrong, good, bad, black, white. It's, It's on a spectrum. So at the top of his infographic are the foods that are optimal and the least inflammatory, the least allergenic, and down to the bottom, which are kind of in the red zone of foods that are likely to wreck you. And so you can kind of find yourself somewhere in the middle. And I find that's a much easier food plan to follow. I used to have it on my refrigerator for a couple of years. So shout out to Dave for putting that together. It was very useful in the beginning of my journey. And now I just kind of intuitively know what foods my body likes and doesn't like. And I've done a lot of other testing, like the Viome test and all sorts of different things to support what I intuitively feel is right for me. Um, So... Start pooping more, Carlos, if you're not doing that. And while you're at it, get yourself a squatty potty so that your um, anatomy is so situated to help facilitate healthy bowel movements because we have evolved to squat while we release the funk, uh, not to sit there on a throne. Next, I would do functional medicine labs to look for other toxicity that could be contributing to these headaches. Uh, Heavy metals would be something for me, viral, fungal, bacterial infections, systemic infections, that kind of stuff. Uh, Epstein-Barr, all these things that can cause a lot of inflammation and wreak havoc in your body. And the guesswork is just a waste of time. I just go straight to the labs. Like I found out years ago, I thought I was so healthy, but then I'd have these persistent kind of brain fog episodes and things and got my labs done. And I was off the charts in lead. I don't know if I was like eating freaking paint off the wall in the seventies or what the hell happened, but I had just unbelievable amounts of lead in my body. And I went on a bunch of different detox protocols to get rid of it. And and I did get the lead levels down uh, quite a bit to sort of what would be considered a normal level for someone living uh, today in a city. 
next would be with the headaches, man. You got to look for the EMF exposure, not to be a broken record here. And the next question I'm going to wrap up with from Carrie is about EMFs. Um, I'll try to just kind of rattle through this a little bit faster because, whoa, shit, I realized this episode's going on for a while. But the EMF, so I'm just going to say this. Uh, Carlos, man, make sure that you've got your Wi-Fi off at night. If you can, just take the Wi-Fi out of your house and just put Ethernet cables everywhere. That's what I did in my last apartment. I haven't done it here because I didn't think I was going to be here that long. Uh, Never, ever, ever use wireless earbud, Bluetooth headphones of any kind. You are insane. Not just Carlos. I'm not bitching at Carlos. I'm bitching at everyone. You are insane if you use anything Bluetooth on your head. I got invited to some sort of breathwork, quasi-psychedelic trippy party a few months ago. And I was like, oh, this sounds amazing. You know, it's like this, they play these crazy beats and I don't know. I can't explain what it was. It was just some crazy hippie Burning Man shit. Look cool. You know, black light, black light poster kind of vibes. Uh, so I looked at the invite and I was almost signing up and then I saw everyone in the photos had these like glowing headphones on, like the wireless headphones. And I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. It's a room full of 75 people with those Bluetooth headphones on. It's kind of like the silent disco thing, like that vibe so that everyone's listening to music on headphones. And I uninvited myself because I'm, I'm just, I'm literally not going to go somewhere and put Bluetooth on my head for three hours. There's just, there's no amount of money. There's, I won't do that. There's enough damage being done just by living with the ambient radiation in the environment, whether it be in my house or having my phone nearby or um, driving my car around with all the cell towers. I mean, it's just nuts. And I'm particularly sensitive to EMFs much more so than your average person. So Carlos and everyone, man, if you have headaches, I would look at the EMF, the Bluetooth headphones, using your cell phone. Again, you're insane if you put your phone up to your head. Like if you have a Defender Shield case, you could put your phone up to your head as long as you have the correct side of the case facing you. But I still wouldn't do that. The only time I would put a cell phone up to my head is with my Defender Shield case uh, facing my head. But even then, it would have to be an emergency. Like I land in a really loud airport and I'm trying to talk to the Uber driver who refuses to text me. By the way, if you're an Uber driver and someone texts you, don't call them, text them back. I know it's unsafe when you're driving, but get over it. Uh, I would also check your building, your house, apartment for smart meters. Many times people are living and sleeping uh, against a wall where on the other side, there's a bank of smart meters that are just absolutely wrecking you with radiation coming through the wall, et cetera. Or you might even uh, have a neighbor that lives in the house next to you and they have a smart meter on the side of their house pointed right at your bedroom, sometimes you know, 10, 15, 20 feet away. I don't know if houses are 10 feet apart, but whatever regulations will allow. Smart meters are hella bad. And then also nearby cell towers. And I'm just going to say this one, man, I have personal experience. Many of you that listen to the show are really sick of this story, but I was living for three years unknowingly underneath two massive cell towers that were about 100 yards from my bed. And uh, my friends, I had excruciating headaches almost every single morning. I got all my labs done. I was get, I was doing everything I just told you to do. And I could not figure out what the hell was wrong with me. I, my eyes went bad. I had vertigo. I was so dizzy, nauseous. It was a living hell. And that's right when I started this podcast is when I moved in there. And so the first couple of years of this podcast, I didn't talk about it a lot. 
because I was trying to find a solution, but I was messed up, son. So man, I would scan your neighborhood for cell towers, especially if you live in a 5G city. Those little towers are tiny. They're sneaky. They can put them right in front of your house and you're going to get your brain fried. So going back to the riboflavin, I mean, you could try that and you might have this tension headaches thing. I don't even know what that is, but I'm guessing it's constipation or something in your labs and your blood work you can find or EMF exposure. Okay. Carrie has a question. She says, uh, she lives in the UK. She's looking for a device to measure EMFs in her home. And she also has a Reiko system installed, which is this, like what looks really cool, this lighting system you can control kind of program. And she has a nest heating system. And she said, I suspect there's a lot of EMF flying around. You think Carrie? Oh my God. Uh, where do I even start with this? Because I want to make it brief and get us out of here because it's, you know, it's been a long episode. First off, I would never, ever personally use LED lighting in my home or anywhere for that matter. LED lights, most of them at least, flicker. And that means that um, your iris, the, the uh, you know, the lens, no, is it the iris? Uh, no, the pupil. Yeah, the pupil is the little, yeah, the pupil uh, is like that uh, aperture of a camera, right? And when lights flicker, if you can find these videos online, the, <laughs> the the pupil in your eye opens and closes constantly trying to adjust to the flicker, just like it would if you were in a room and you kept turning the light on and off manually, your eyes would keep adjusting. And so flicker is really bad for your brain, really bad for your eyes. It makes you really tired and back to Carlos, uh, can cause headaches as well. And LEDs and fluorescent bulbs, especially those little CFL curly Q bulbs that are in almost every hotel room. Every time I check in a hotel, I go remove all the light bulbs and put my own bulbs in. That's how psycho I am about the lights or brilliant, as I would say, about the lights. But I do change them because uh, that flicker is not only bad for your eyes and your brain and the blue light and all that, but um, those type of lights also produce an incredible amount of EMF. And specifically, fluorescent bulbs make an insane amount of dirty electricity. In fact, I have a little tiny fluorescent bulb in the um, stove fan hood dealio above my stove in the kitchen. And I was so proud of myself because I put some true dark blue blocking, uh, you know, that's not tape. It's like these little films that you can get from truedark.com. I have them on my site also. And I killed the blue light on that little fluorescent bulb above the stove. And then I tested it with Brian Hoyer over here. And it produces an insane amount of EMF right at your head as you stand and cook food. So there you are like, I'm eating organic. I'm awesome. And meanwhile, frying your brain with that thing like six inches from you. So not a fan of fluorescence, not a fan of LED. I'm so sorry, Carrie. You probably spent a fortune on the Reiko system. They look awesome. I looked into it. It's cool. You can control the lighting in your whole house with an app. It's dope, but you're getting flicker. You're getting blue light. You're getting EMF. Um, if it runs on Wi-Fi, which it of course does, then it's like every light is a transmitter. So it's like having your house full of Wi-Fi routers. Not to freak you out or make you paranoid, but your question about like you want a device to measure the EMF, um, you don't need a device, hon, because <laughs> your house is a cesspool of EMF. I'm sorry. Just you, you know, you come to me, you're going to get the truth. That said, 
you might live long and prosper, think positive, have loving relationships, human connection, have good sex, drink lots of pure water, good food, listen to music, enjoy your friends, live your best life in your home, and you'll probably be fine. But you're asking me about the EMF, so I'm going to tell you. Uh, Sonos, Nest, the Dyson Air thing I told you about, all of the devices in your house that are smart, quote, end quote. And it's really funny they call them smart because they're so dumb when it comes to your health. Uh, I know myself, I'm lazy, just like all humans. And I did not hardwire my Sonos and I tested them. And every Sonos speaker in my house, and there's a grip of them because it's fucking awesome to come home and just grab your phone and crank up whatever music you want off Spotify. Uh, each one of those in my home produces almost as much RF radio frequencies as my actual router. It's just ridiculous. So, you know, when I sleep, it all gets turned off. So at least when I sleep, I'm resting, but, um, you don't need an EMF meter to tell you that anyone listening, your house is full of EMF. If you have wireless stuff that runs on Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, you're, you're trashing your life, but sometimes it's worth it to have awesome music. What? And I'll tell you what, if you're listening to the Lifestylist podcast um, using that type of technology, you're going to be protected because the vibration of the show is so high. (laughs) Just kidding. That's what happens at 12, 13 a.m. Next, Carrie, just don't bother with buying the gadgets, although I'm going to tell you which ones to get, and I have them on my site too, but just get a building biologist to come screen your home professionally. It takes about twenty dollars to $30,000 worth of equipment to really screen a house correctly. And so if you want to go spend that money, go to school for it for six months, learn how to become a building biologist yourself, go for it. But it's a lot cheaper and easier just to hire a brainiac nerd who already knows how to do that shit to come into your house and tell you what's up. Saves a lot of time and money. And a lot of worry because sometimes, I mean, I'm kind of being a little hardcore with your Reiko system and your nest and all that, but sometimes you have someone come in and they test and it's like not as bad as you thought it would be or the areas of your house that you thought would be the worst aren't that narnar. In fact, in my house here, when um, I had it tested, the office was actually pretty chill. Like where I'm sitting right now on my computer, there's really no radiation or anything. It's it's a really clean EMF environment here in the office, with the exception of my Wi-Fi router across the room, uh, which when I'm in here, I usually cover it with some uh, shielding fabric because I don't really need Wi-Fi because my iMac that I'm looking at here is hardwired. But what was crazy to me is I thought my workspace was going to be the worst and that my bedroom would inherently be the most chill. Turns out in my house, the bedroom is by far the worst EMF area in the whole house for a number of reasons that I don't have time to explore with you. Uh, Point is hire a professional to tell you what's going on. Put your Wi-Fi on a nighttime timer for sure. Or as I said, just get rid of all Wi-Fi in your house and just hardwire. If you have money, Dude, you can have the sickest house with all the technology and no Wi-Fi. You just have everything hardwired. It's a little expensive because, you know, you got to sometimes tear walls out and run wires through them and patch them back up and repaint. And it's a whole thing. But man, when, not if, I have the coin because you guys shop at LukeStory.com a lot and support my advertisers. Uh, that's how my house is going to be. Remove the microwave oven from your kitchen. Uh, if you have to have a Wi-Fi router in your house, keep it as far as you can from your kid's room and definitely from your bedroom. I know many people living in a city like New York, your bedroom, living room, kitchen, dining room, and kid's room is all one room because <laughs> you got a studio. Uh, that's tough. You know, I don't know what you do there, but 
definitely, um, you know, there are some things you can do to mitigate. And uh, if you find, man, I'm just telling you guys, I love you so much because you're fellow humans and you listen to the show and I appreciate you. If you find you're living near a cell tower, I get messages all the time that someone will send me a picture. Hey, someone just sent me a picture yesterday. I just bought this condo in the penthouse. What should I do? Are these 5G? And they show me they're living, they're in the penthouse right on the roof are all these cell towers. It doesn't matter if they're 5G or freaking 1G. Dude, you, oh man, I was going to say you're living in a cancer incubation <laughs> like lab, but I don't want to put that into existence, but it's really, really dangerous to live close to cell towers. And if you live in a city, man, it's likely there's one really nearby. So I'm just going to, without fear, you know, just something to really think about. If you have a smart meter on your home, get it removed, hire an electrician, buy an analog meter on eBay get an electrician on the download just to swap it out and tell the power company to blow you. You can also, if you can't get rid of your smart meter, you can get it shielded on both sides. There's little covers you can get to put over the smart meter. Then on the inside of your home, on the other side of the wall, you can get it shielded with these sheets of metal and paint and things like that. Keep all electronics away from your bed. Install a kill switch on your breaker box, which is what I do. So when I get into bed, I have a little remote and I just go beep and I hit that and all the power in my room is off. I live in a totally at least electrical field free zone in my room uh, because that's what was necessary because there's a lot of issues with the wiring in this house. And next, um, install a dirty electricity filter on your breaker box. And then that is, it's called a, uh, what's it called? Uh, power, I think it's called the Power Perfect. Yeah, it's called the Power Perfect. And it's a, it's a pretty substantial box, kind of like half as big as your breaker box. And you have that professionally installed, of course, by a qualified and licensed electrician. And that filters all the dirty electricity coming in from the power lines on the street. So the power like coming from the mains into your home is often dirty. And that just means it's an electricity that is chaotic and not organized in its nature and is much more deleterious to your health. And it also emits much further from devices and walls and outlets and things like that. So you filter the electricity coming in from the street and then you install uh, on every circuit in your house something called a pure power plug, which filters the dirty electricity in the interior wiring in your house that's being created by the appliances that you have that are uh, that are actually producing dirty electricity. So in other words, like you could filter it all coming from outside, but then inside your house, you have, you know, a Dyson uh, little heater and that, because it's just not made well, actually turns all of the electricity on that circuit dirty so that the lamp across the room that's on that same circuit as the Dyson is now emitting a six foot radius of dirty electricity right onto your couch where you take naps and chill out with your family. And again, I'm not trying to scare you, you know, it's like you go live a good life and not worry about any of this shit. You'll be fine. But if you want to be next level, as Carrie clearly does asking this question, I'm giving you like the full on real deal here because why not? You deserve it. So again, you want to get the pure power plugs for the outlets and you need only one per circuit. So let's say you have a wall that has three outlets and they're all on the same circuit, meaning if you hit the breaker box, it kills the power on those three plugs. You don't need three pure power little adapters. They're like a black. It kind of looks like a, you know, just an adapter. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a fucking black thing and plug in the wall. 
you wouldn't need three of those. You'd only need one because if you plug one in, it cleans up that whole circus. They're really cool. Uh, I found them through uh, Brian Hoyer at Shielded Healing. He's really good at vetting these types of products and they're the best that I've found on the market and I have them in my site store. So if you go under EMF, you can find them there. Again, like I'm not trying to scare you into buying shit off my site. Don't do it and you'll probably be okay. But if you want to have a super healthy house, that's what I personally do in my house. So that's why... I recommend it. Uh, as far as the meters go, Carrie, I have a uh, Trifield meter. It's a uh, model uh, TF2, and that measures magnetic fields fairly accurately. And that's something that is really prevalent in a lot of houses, especially older homes that were done when our knowledge of home wiring was not as sophisticated or when the regulations weren't as strict and a lazy or incompetent electrician wired the home. If there is bad wiring, it produces magnetic fields within the home. And that's what's going on in the house I'm speaking to you from right now, which is why I put the kill switch on my house because I don't want to pay to redo all the wiring in this home, which is a lease. For RF frequencies, I use something called the Acousticom 2, and that's pretty accurate for RF radio frequencies. Both of those are not going to take the place of a qualified building biologist or specialist to come in and screen your house, but they're pretty handy just to get an idea of what's going on in your home and also especially for travel. So I'll usually bring that little Acousticom too when I travel just so I can find like hidden Wi-Fi routers and stuff in my hotel room. I've had crazy shit happen. I remember I went up to um, Mammoth and I rented a cabin last year and, you know, kind of like not fancy, but cool because it's out in the woods and I could cold plunge in the lake and, and chill with my girlfriend at the time. And it was a fun little trip. So we check in the room. Of course, she already thinks I'm nuts for doing all this shit. But it's how I roll. I get up my RF meter and I'm scanning the bedroom. I'm like, what the hell? There's a really strong frequency, like a super toxic level of RF coming from the bed. I pull the bed out and they had put the Wi-Fi router in the room right behind the headboard. And I don't care if you're like paranoid about EMFs or not, anyone with like a fundamental understanding of science in general would say that's not a good idea to have your head next to a router all night. So I just unplugged that goddamn router every night when we went to bed. And uh, I wouldn't have known that had I not had that little RF meter. So the, the, the meters are handy. Just know that like they're not that accurate. And if you're not a professional, you're not going to know how to really use them. Uh, for all these meters and EMF stuff, again, I have them on my site. Or you can go to shieldedhealing.com. That's Brian Hoyer's site. And as I said, he's the guy that I trust when it comes to all these type of uh, products. And you can get 10% off there using the code lifestylist. That's shieldedhealing.com. And he also not only does um, home tours now, as he calls them, or he does city tours where he does like a home inspection rather, but he has a team of people he's kind of building that he trains around the States at least now that can come out to your home and test it. And I think that's a really great way to do it, as I said, because it's like, it just takes the guesswork out. And again, some of the areas in your home that you think are going to be really bad aren't that bad. And the places that you didn't suspect at all are horrible. So get someone like Brian Hoyer uh, or a building biologist to come to your house. And I think you can book him or his people on his site if you're in the U.S., which is cool. Speaking of that, I have a two-hour documentary video coming out soon uh, that is 
the video of Brian coming to this very house and screening the entire house. It literally, I mean, it took much longer than two hours to screen the whole house because he's so psychotically thorough <laughs> in his screening methodology. But um, it also just, even after the edits, there was like two solid hours of footage. And I'm, I'm just, I told my video guy, we can't take any of those scenes out because they're important. He did geopathic stress and all kinds of different things that a lot of EMF people don't even look for. So you can look forward to that one. And with that, my friends, oh my God, I think we've come to the end. I'm I'm hoping that I really provided some great value for you here. I'm exhausted. So um, <laughs> it's like my chest is about to cave in from talking uh, consistently for so long. But um, I'm I'm trusting that you got something out of this. If you're still hearing this an hour and a half in, Thank you so much for joining me and um, and listening to this solo episode. I put a lot of time and energy into these because I care. And I care about you, your health, your happiness, your life. And this is what brings me the most pleasure is just being able to learn about this stuff and share information. So speaking of sharing information, come back on Tuesday where I actually have a guest on the show. And uh, that is... Um, the supremely psychedelic power of the Lucia light again, and uh, the upcoming events or Bulletproof Conference, or I guess they don't call it that anymore. What's it called? The Upgrade Labs Biohacking Conference, March 27th through 29th. I'll be doing a breakout there with my friends from Samina Sleep Systems, Paleo FX, April 24th to 26th, Meet Delic, May 2nd through 3rd. And I would like to thank our sponsors, man. I've got my Blue Blocks on right now. You can go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X. Use the code Lifestylist and save 15%. And uh, I've got mine on right now. As you can see, if you're watching the YouTube video, I'm not bullshitting you. And uh, the reason I have them on is because it's 1225 a.m. And I have some hella bright blue lights on in this room, my studio lights, to make the video not look like one of those witness protection uh, program, you know, shadow videos that you may have seen. Um, so definitely check out Blue Blocks and you can rock and roll all night too and not trash your melatonin. Then for Sigmatic, today I did a coffee. I made a um, Zen Bunny biodynamic coffee fresh ground beans and the whole deal. And I put a Four Sigmatic uh, Reishi and Chaga packet in that coffee with some grass-fed butter and some Bulletproof Brain Octane oil. And man, I was killing it. So tasty, so potent. That's foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story for your medicinal mushroom elixir powders and also their instant coffee, man. That's probably like my favorite product those guys make. It's one that a lot of people don't talk about, I guess, because they're so famous for the mushrooms. And I like their mushroom products. I take other ones like Lifecycle and whatever's around the house. They're all, well, not they're not all good. The ones that I use are all good. Um, some There's some super shitty mushroom products on the market, trust. But uh, Four Sigmatic's awesome. But their coffee, the little packets of instant coffee is bomb, especially for travel. So go to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story. The code there is Lifestylist, and that saves you 15% off your order. And uh, then we've got Superfat. And let me see, when did I use Superfat? I always like to anecdotally you know, share my ex experience. I think just because I don't like you know, commercials in general, because they're you know, growing up like TV commercials are so fake. It's like an actor. They don't have that goddamn Ford 
Fiat, whatever shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, see someone, I love my car, this laundry detergent, this cereal. Like, no, you don't. This is fake. I'm being lied to. That's why I always hated advertising. And I really was reluctant to put ads on my show. Then I realized I can't drop a couple grand a month to produce my show, which is what it was in the beginning. It's much more now. Uh, so I was happy to take on sponsors, but I had to promise myself just out of my own integrity that I have to believe in the products and probably use them. And super fat, I do. I had one two nights ago. I had their, I think it's the uh, coffee flavored one. Yeah, not coffee flavored. It has coffee and macadamia nuts and almonds and just really good healthy fats. And the super fat little travel packets are freaking dope because they're so... Um, you know, calorie dense and filling because they're just like all fat. They're also, of course, keto and, um, you know, there's no carbs in there. And so I really like them because when I get hungry driving around and flying and whatnot, I, you know, dude, homie will stop at Chevron and like bust out a Snickers or like two packs of M&Ms with just because I'm like, God, I'm hungry. I just need something. And so I'll go in a store that is just sells poison and I'll eat poison and then I'll bless it and be very positive about it and just live my life. But if I have these little super fat packets in my car, in my my MERS, as I call it, my man purse, it's a little feminine bag that I carry around and I'm proud of it. Um, I keep my super fats in there and all kinds of little supplements, all my shit, my, my uh, blue canatine, you know, just things I can't live without um, or I think I can't live without. And the super fat has become part of my arsenal so that no matter where I am, I have a little mini meal that's very satiating and healthy because of its high healthy fat content. So I'd love for you to get your grubby little hands on some super fat as well. You can do so by going to this really easy to remember URL known as superfat.com. That's superfat.com. The code there is Luke and you're going to save 15% off and you will thank me because you're going to be so full and so healthy and you'll be like, God damn, these little mini meals from Superfat are so convenient. And with that, my friends, I'm going to sign off and thank you profusely and authentically and wholeheartedly from the, the depths of my soul for listening to this very long and hopefully thorough and enjoyable podcast with yours truly, Luke Story. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back in your eardrums on Tuesday where we talk about this crazy ass psychedelic light called the Lucia. Peace. <laughs>